It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 134 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. This is that magic minute where we say goodbye to all these seasoned scallywags and even those who have recently joined the pirate ranks. I'm looking at you, Will and Elizabeth. Yeah, I'm looking at you. But what the hell? Of course we still have episodes left. We're slogging through all those credits. It'll be fun. Just hang on. I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> We're going to be peering deeply into that black background to reveal any hidden gems. I'm used to it, though, because I stare into Heather's oh. blackened soul. And it's just the same thing. I look for that one little gem to pull out and redeem herself. I'm sure you will find some little tiny things in all that black background in those white words to pull out and make symbolisms and stuff like that. There's no symbolisms coming out of that. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm done with that. Are you? Yeah, I had like a peak. I ramped it up throughout the whole season and then it crested and now it goes away and maybe I'll bring it back next season. Another day? Maybe I won't. You know, you'll see things in the black abyss, little ghostly shadows or something. Just in my imagination. (laughs) But there is this feeling that this ride is about to come to an end, and then we'll have to tackle Dead Man's Chest. I really wanted to procrastinate on this last minute, as it was a bit sad. I know I've said it before, but it brought back those feelings of nostalgia. It's like we're saying goodbye to friends. Is that weird? We are. Yeah, we're weird, I guess. Maybe. Now it's time to to say say goodbye goodbye to all those scallywags. S-C-A, a ruckus of a swashbuckling good time. L-L-Y, why? Because we like pirates. W-A-G-S. There you go. Scallywags. Scallywags. (laughs) Since there's no crying in piracy, let's batten down those tear ducts and get this episode officially started. What do you say? Sounds good to me. Because we're not really ending yet, so we'll have to do a good finale when we do this for the episode. But that was just my ode to the characters that are I see. we're leaving in the dust. All except one that will come at the end. Shh. Yeah, that's a spoiler. Secret. In the previous minute. In the previous minute, as the Motley crew await and assist in the boarding of Captain Jack Sparrow, they are completely oblivious to the fact that Anna Maria fell asleep below deck. During her slumber, a race of gelatinous creatures abandon their dying world drift in from deep space, replace her with a perfect physical duplicate grown from plant-like pods, while she, the unwitting victim, turned to dust. Slipping into character, this body-snatched female pirate makes the critical error of overplaying her hand while trying to blend in with the crew. Oh, Jack, here's your coat. And what broad shoulders you have. (laughs) What's this you say about the Jolly Mon? Jack grasped the wheel. Now bring me that Horizon. And Donald Sutherland. So, I know this is a fantasy movie, but sci-fi also, I didn't realize. Sci-fi, do you know what the movie was, though? No. 
How dare you? Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh. And I opted to go with the Donald Sutherland, like, 1978 version rather than the 1950s version. Have I even seen it? Who the hell knows? Yeah, you probably have. You probably saw the remake of the remake of the remake with Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman. Body Snatchers? Are you kidding me? If you haven't seen Body Snatchers, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it was Invasion. It's where the people get replaced by duplicates that are these alien creatures. If I did, I don't recall. That's not a shocker. Minute 134 begins with Captain Jack Sparrow at the wheel of the Black Pearl and holding his compass, humming a pirate's life for me. Singing and really bad eggs. Didn't really sing that, did I? After taking a look at his compass, turns the wheel to adjust course and then snaps the compass case closed after singing Drink Up Me Artie's Yo-Ho. The screen goes black. The minute ends with costume designer credits, Penny Rose, rolling to visual effects supervisor, John Knoll. There's no doubt that you can see the love for the Black Pearl and the love for the ocean in Jack's eyes in this final minute. He made it home. He's where he belongs, at the wheel. Yeah, he's finally got his freedom. Exactly. There's also that compass course correction move at the very end. You don't have to read anything into this with him changing direction because that's simply what Jack does. It's not a setup to a sequel or anything like that. He follows the compass to what he wants next. What he wants most. We can just say he's going about his pirate business. And I think probably because they weren't necessarily planning much for a sequel at that particular time. Because mm. they wanted to see how much the movie was actually going to do and be successful at the box office. Considering that the pirate genre had died. A slow and painful death in recent <laughs> decades. So <laughs> they weren't going to lay all the money out there and start the process until right. they saw what happened. So I don't think they were necessarily setting it up. But they weren't necessarily just... Closing it down either. Yeah, exactly. They're going to wait and see. Yeah. Disney has done this once or twice before, so they're smart enough to leave that open for franchise building. Are you sure? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. But it's really only a few seconds that we actually get at the end in this minute. Yeah. Most of it just ends up rolling to credits, and it's a bummer. It is a bummer, because this is the end. Yeah, it you is know? the end. You know, and it's just like, like you said, all our friends have gone away. Yeah, that's why I sang that little song. Yeah, it was a good little song, by the way. Oh, I know. You're very creative. You bet your ass I'm creative. Thank you. I'm Thank sorry, you. everybody. Thank I you. should not have said much. that. Yeah, now it's gone to my head. It's too late. Can't pull that oh. back. You let the cat. I can. I can reverse it. <laughs> that was your interpretation of rewinding. Yeah. How dare you? How dare you torture our audience like that? That's That was just not good. <laughs> Everybody's head probably exploded. It's like a fembot when they're trying to compute something. Yeah. They're just, ah, uh, and then they start smoking and explode. So I don't really have much with Jack Sparrow at this time. I mean, we went over it a lot last episode yeah. talking about what that really means and how that closes down. But there are some interesting things that I want to talk about. But I was kind of going to wait and pose these as some questions, throw something out to you, and then we can kind of interweave all this. So it's not like a random thoughts kind of episode. It's, it's a questions kind of episode? Yeah, I may ask you some questions, and we all know that that's not good. They're going to get a lot of, I liked it. Uh, <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> Very good. <It> awesome. <laughs> that poignant discussion that you bring to it that people are just waiting for. Oh, is she going to say it's awesome, or is it cool today? Which one is it? And you know, now I'm setting myself up to uh -huh. get beat down by listeners in Twitter, on Facebook. And I don't know if I'm happy about that now, I think now that I think about that. What you're going to miss most about this podcast is making fun of me. 
on air. The podcast isn't ending. What are you saying? I know, but... The show must go on. I, I know, but... Well, You're right. I do need a new host. <laughs> well, we're not doing pirates for a while. Well, we're not doing it. You're going to miss we making are fun be of me. Doing You'll stuff. make fun of me all the time. It doesn't matter. Oh, you always make fun of me. But we but will this be actually gives you an audience to make fun of me. That's true. And they all like to join in on it. They just don't announce it to me. Really? They try to come off as defending you when really they're secretly going, yeah, we should probably come to her defense just to make it look like that. But I don't know what you're talking about ending because the podcast is going to go on. The show's going to go on. We're going to talk pirates. There's even going to be a pirate talk in between seasons. Yeah, but not a daily thing. You won't be able to make fun of me on air daily. Are you just going rogue and telling people what's happening during the show? (laughs) When we're supposed to wait. So you're just spoiling all the news. The cat is out of the bag. No, I'm just... I didn't say you that. You just spoiled it. Everybody's like, oh, we might as well not listen. Well, now. We might as well just shut it off. I figure people would think we wouldn't be on air every day for right after we finish. Oh, you whatever. bite your tongue. You have, you I know, don't that's know. the thing. And we just went over this over the weekend. The filter on you does not exist. It's just whatever pops in your mind, you say it. And you got a problem with that? Sometimes you got to tease it out and let it happen naturally that we planned on talking about. Some of this stuff later on. And so now you've already started to ruin it. But let me get to where I was actually going before you took this into a territory that we weren't yet prepared to do so. And don't worry, we'll be here with our bells on. We talked about the drawn out ending that wraps up all the main character stories. But what do you think of the end of the movie? Oh, are you asking me that? No, I'm asking the audience and I'm going to sit here and wait till they come back with some responses. <laughs> Don't give me Cotton's parrot in here. Seriously. I like the end of the movie. I think it's pretty cool. Ends. <laughs> I can say it. I'm still continuing on. Oh, I, know. I can stop there and let you just go. How dare you? Okay, then. I like the way they ended this with going back to the ride and him singing Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho. The most awesome part of this. The end of this movie. Yeah, the best part of the ending for me is Jack giving a full nod to the theme park ride. That really inspired everything. This is what started it all. Yeah. So I completely agree with you. He's humming and singing a few bars from A Pirate's Life for Me, Drink Up Me Hardy's Yo-Ho. Then there's obviously the really bad eggs line, which he liked from the very moment that Elizabeth taught it to him on Rum Runner's Isle. And of course, it's funny because he gravitates to that line when in essence, he's not really all that bad of an egg himself. It's not that he's a bad guy. He's a pirate. He's done some bad stuff, sure. But in the context of the movie that we're seeing, the part that he really likes best is the bad eggs. The really bad eggs. Because that is a reference to bad people. They're bad seed. They're pirates. This is who they are. They're bad eggs. But that's what he's like. I mean, it's not like he's compared to Barbosa and his crew anyways. Being that bad eggs, it's almost like that persona he wants to be Or that reputation he wants to precede him. Because even when he gets the crew going after he's kind of assumed the captain's position again. Yeah. All of a sudden you can see him kind of think about it. And this is rehashing from yesterday's minute. Is that he clicks like, oh, I'm the captain. We got to get going. And he kind of gets that, I'm going to put on the stereotypical pirate captain persona. And then he, let's get going, you scabrous dogs. That kind of thing. And then they all hop to it and get going. Everything kind of becomes serious. And so... That's what I think is pretty funny with that line. 
and with the end of the movie and that nod to something that started all. So it's the end, but it's the beginning because it's really getting back to where we started, which is with the ride, actually. You don't think it's just kind of a goofy, funny line in a song, and that's why he's kind of well, sure. a- attached to it? I think so, but I think that the writers put that there for a reason because it is a funny line in the song, but they could have put all kinds of different ones in there, but it's one that's almost like it's kind of confusing. You're like, what the hell is really bad eggs about? Yeah. Why is that even in the song? Yeah, yeah. because like I said, it's a description of a bad person. It's like this metaphor. Somebody says, hey, that guy's a really bad egg. He's a bad person. Right. So it's just because it's describing, and I don't remember the exact lines from the, or the stanza from that song, what else is there? But I believe that there was other names for pirates that are going on there. And this is just another name for a bad pirate. And he really likes it because it's just a fun line. It's kind of quirky like he is. Yeah. Like I said, it also... It's funny that he gravitates towards it because he's not a bad person necessarily himself or all that bad in context. Right. This is by far the most wrapped up of all the films in the franchise. It's true. It's factual. It's a true standalone film. Now that we have four movies into the sequel land here, it's easy to look back at this minute when Jack corrects his course after looking at the compass and think that this was him leading us to Dead Man's Chest or a sequel. But at the time, like we were talking about, it really is a completed story. You don't need anything else. No. Because whether he's moving us on to the sequel or if he's just moving on in the next stage of his life, we were good with it ending here. He got his ship back. He's moving on to his next life's adventure. We didn't really need to see more if they didn't make one. We would have been satisfied with that. Not like what happens in Dead Man's Chest, for instance, if we were to look ahead. Or Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. Where you get left hanging. Like, what the hell is going on here? Where's the rest of the story? So this is by far the one that's wrapped up the most, I think. Right. What about the name of the movie? What are your thoughts on that? I'll remind you, it's The Curse of the Black Pearl, by the way. Got it. Oh, do you? Oh, I forgot that you probably maybe knew that. Maybe you've heard about it. I guess I'll insert some crickets there again, because you maybe are lacking a little bit of information there about your thoughts on what the title is about or the name of the movie. Well, it's fitting for the movie. It's the curse oh, really? of the pirates. Oh, exactly. The curse of the pirates. Because it's an interesting choice for the name of the movie. And I do get it. But I think that led to a lot of confusion and questions about the curse. Is the ship cursed? Oh, We've heard people yeah. ask about this. It's all out there. And it's in the freaking title. So people are like, oh, is the ship cursed? What's going on here? Because it doesn't get more blatant than a title that specifically states that the ship has some kind of curse to it. But yeah, but what are you going to say? The curse of the Pirates of the Black Pearl? Yeah, you could have done that. No, you couldn't. There's a fact that the production design, too, couldn't restrain themselves from making a spooky-looking ghostly ship with incredibly tattered sails. It looks like a ghost ship. Yeah. The unnatural fog follows it. Well, that's because of the pirates. I wonder if the intention was to make it a cursed ship at some point, and it just fell away as the final draft came together. As far as I'm concerned, all signs are pointing to, yeah, that's the right answer, Scott. I like the name, but it is misleading as far as the Aztec curse goes. It does fit referencing the crew of the Pearl, because it does. Yeah. It's like they're leaving it out. And it's definitely more streamlined and probably a bit sexier than, like you were saying, the curse of the Black Pearl's crew. I mean, that would just be ridiculous. Right? It would be. I'm not saying that it wasn't. I'm just... The Black Pearl, when you say the curse of the Black Pearl... 
represents all the pirates on the Black Pearl. That's what I was saying too. But I asked the question and you said, what are they going to name, put the crew in there? Hey, guess what? We're talking about a movie one minute at a time. Well, I think it's appropriate to ask about the title of the movie without getting a beat down. Don't you think? That that's no. Appro- oh, re- really? No. In a way, though, the ship is actually cursed if we're so inclined to look ahead to the sequels. It seems to be in constant danger and getting lost or stolen, or dare I say, miniaturized. <laughs> but that's for another season to discuss. Yeah. This was Gore Verbinski's fifth film, and one of those was actually a short film, so... Four full feature-length films before he jumped into Pirates of the Caribbean, which is pretty surprising. Because he jumps into a rather big-budget movie for Disney. I mean, he did have some success with the previous film, The Ring. But he goes from these smaller-budget movies that are maybe in the $30 to $50 million realm to heading up Pirates of the Caribbean that had an estimated $140 million budget. It just seems like quite that big promotion is what I'm saying. Right. That he ramped up. He only had, say, four films, five if you count the short film. And then he lands Pirates of the Caribbean, which is pretty good. Right. Bruckheimer actually had been waiting to work with him because he was a fan of his work. Really? Yeah. And so he really wanted to give Gore before The Ring was a success. And he ended up going into another movie because he really wanted to work with him. That's just surprising, though, that... He wanted to work with somebody who hadn't yet established a really lengthy track record, if you will. Right, but Bruckheimer actually said it is Gore knew how to mix comedy and seriousness together without putting the comedy over the top or the seriousness over the top. He wanted to work with them. He did. He did. He really did. He also wanted to work with Ted and Terry. So was Bruckheimer the one who first was approached with this film or was Gore approached first? Bruckheimer. So that's why he had him in mind then to yeah. go to Gore. Bruckheimer and then Ted and Terry and then So that, Gore that makes Vinsky. sense then that he brought him in. That's why he had the confidence in him. He yeah. had wanted to work with him and then he brings Gore in. When Bruckheimer was approached with the movie, he knew the movie needed a lot of help. And so he was trying to find the people because at that point it wasn't a movie he wanted to watch. So he needed to make it a movie that he wanted to watch. That makes sense. And so he kind of picked people he knew that could really amp up the movie. That makes sense because that's what you want anyways with a producer. You want them to bring their vision to the film. It's like all these podcasts out there. Each one has a different tone and a voice to it. And we bring our own one to our show. Yeah. And that differentiates it from everybody else. And that's what makes it unique. Otherwise, it's all just cookie cutter stuff. And that's why everybody strives to have their own kind of uniqueness to their show. Verbinski and Bruckheimer are actually big fans of pirate genres. And they both know they kind of fell off and got old. When this movie was actually brought to them, they kind of jumped at the chance. Bruckheimer was a little hesitant at first, but then he yeah, figured he could change it up. Yeah, he's the type of guy that and... can come in and make pirates cool again. Yeah. And then he would have established himself as that person to do that. Yeah. Especially if you've had pirate... Movies that haven't really been successful or box office successful, then you can come in and create that giant Bruckheimer-like film mm-hmm. that drives a bunch of dollars. Because then people are like, hey, we're going to go see a seafaring movie, a high seas adventure, a swashbuckler that hasn't really been available since Cutthroat Island, which right. was a little more campy and didn't quite have that ring that resonated with the audience. And now 
he comes back and he's able to pull the trigger on this and turn something that people already love. That's the thing. It's Pirates of the freaking Caribbean. Yeah. There's my freaking. Freaking. That has a built-in audience already. A Disney built-in audience. It's huge. Yeah. It's incredible. And then he was able to to make that happen. And so I think that's part of it. But then he also brings Gore back for Pirates of the Caribbean 2 and 3 as well. Yeah. You know, just continued that success on. And Gore's not somebody that seems to be just jumping from one project to the next. Because IMDb has a total directing credits for him as 11 studio films. And that includes one in pre-production called Spaceless that's coming up. It's not like he was known for big budget movies, but then again, Bruckheimer was involved. So, I mean, he's the master at making these kinds of big things happen. So it's understandable. Three of his movies starred Johnny Depp, which is interesting. So he's batting like almost 30% (laughs) of the movies that he's done have Johnny Depp in it, which is pretty crazy. And the other ones, I think we mentioned early on in the show, are Rango and the Lone Ranger. And of course, Pirates of the Caribbean. Actually, he's batting more than that because now that I think about that, we have... Actually, I forgot that there's multiple pirate movies in that. So that'd be like more like 45%. He's probably approaching 50% of his movies. Well, With Johnny Depp? five of, out of 11 are Johnny Depp movies, huh, which wow. is pretty crazy. Yeah. So he obviously likes to work with them quite a bit. We also have to mention Penny Rose. She pops up in the credits. We don't get like the full credit here either. It's not the mm-hmm. full credits, kind of rolling credits. It's really kind of the highlighting a number of those specific people it's actually we're, what we're getting is we're getting a list of people before we even get to the cast yeah and i completely forgot to bring who that was but i think it's probably producers it, it's uh director screenplay screen story producer executive producer photography production designer editors costume designer visual effects yeah so that's who we get and that's before all the cast and then there's also a nod to Based on Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean, it has that in yes. there as well. Yes. But we do have to mention, like I was saying, is Penny Rose again with costume design. She absolutely nailed it with this wardrobe. And she comes back for all the sequels, so it's not surprising that she does that after the success of this one. She really right. made this just a period piece, and it's completely believable. She really does nail it. Just like she does in Dead Men Tell No Tales, she comes back and just knocks it out of the park with yeah. the, with the costuming. She has quite a list of costume design credits under her belt, too, including a favorite of mine, a 1980s favorite of mine, Quest for Fire. Yeah, you can't get around <laughs> Quest for Fire. You want some Neanderthal action? There you go. Those were probably stinkier than pirates. Oh, they were. <laughs> Not to mention the breath had to be on a oh. factor of 100 greater than yeah. the nastiness of that. She partnered up with production designer Brian Morris, who also gets his name rolled across the screen here, seven times leading up to what we have here, Curse of the Black Pearl. This is the last time they seem to have worked together, but seven times before that, they were working together on really? films. Yeah. Whoa, I thought maybe there was like married or <laughs> something. A relationship that, of some sort? Yeah. Wow. And I spent about one Google search on it and I said, why am I doing this? <laughs> so I walked away. Yeah, I walked away. <laughs> I think at some point, too, because I don't think we want to just roll through all the people and just sit here and yak about them. It's just not that interesting, especially since we're not getting to the rolling credits yet. This is just like the credit teaser. Yeah. So why do I want to spoil everything right on this little teaser? I don't know. But I do have some quick facts, or at least one. Okay. Okay, it's multiple facts, but it's all around the same theme or topic. Pirates of the Caribbean? Uh, Yeah. Curse of the Black Pearl. Okay. No, it's about money. 
I think I promised some of this stuff at some point. I said, oh, maybe I'll save some of this when we get to the credits. So I have like some notes. Must have been that recent I said. because... And I don't know if it was recent, but I think it was something in the beginning where we were talking about not having all the facts and we were going to kind of parse things out and spread it out and who knows what the hell that was going okay. on. Those were really shady times for me. But I don't want to light the fuse on everything I have since we are just taking a baby step into the actual credits here. But I thought this would blow your mind. I mean, blow your freaking mind. Because, damn it, why did I use another freaking? I need to really stop that. I got a real issue lately with that. But at least I don't have to put explicit ratings thing on our podcast. So maybe it's good I say that. Yes. But this fact is almost going to be like an atom bomb, an old school atom bomb going off inside your skull. So are you ready for this? I'm ready. I want to hear the excitement. I am ready. What is it? The DVD and VHS editions. Oh, yeah, we're going back. VHS. Yeah, because wow. it was actually released on VHS. Wow. Now that'll blow your mind right there. Yeah. You'll be like, oh my God. VHS? That seems like so long ago. I don't even know what VHS was. Yeah. But yeah, DVD and VHS of the film were released December 1st, 2003 in the UK and on December 2nd, 2003 in the US, with 11 million copies sold in the first week. A record at the time for a live action video. Really? Movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, home release. 11 million copies in wow. one week. It earned $235,300,000 from DVDs by January of 2004. How much in VHS? That I don't have. <laughs> but I am trying to get research data, and I have applied to get some credentials so I can get some numbers information and use a research database so I can try to look into some of the numbers behind all the films. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I wasn't going to go there. You had to bring it up because now if I don't get my credentials, people are going to be like, uh, where's all that numbers and yeah, we, accounting data? Exactly. The accounting 101 talk we were going to talk about. And I'll have to say, dang it, I didn't get it. It's like I weighed my options. I go, oh, I could I get press credentials and attend Comic-Con or D23 or should I go for the accounting credentials? And I, yeah, I opted you for the- accounting? That's exciting. Because numbers are your life. It's exciting stuff. It was, and now I'm glad it isn't. But it may have to be again, which is scary. See, now look at I had to drop kind of an inside, nobody's going to even know reference. No. Yeah, I was in business development and fundraising and all that. So there you go. Okay, people, are you happy now? In a matter of a month or two, though, with that $235,300,000 that it earned for DVDs by January 2004, it had already earned 36% of its global box office take. Now, that's crazy wow, town. Wow, yeah, really? Just on DVD sales. Jeez. So I don't have all of this data at my fingertips right now, like I said, credentials. But this video DVD sales thing is really a giant business. At least it was. Was. Now it's all digital. Yeah, digital. But they're still making... Now it's even more profit. Mm. From June 2006 to July 2007, roughly one year... And this is now three and four years after. Yeah. Curse of the Black Pearl grossed almost $56 million in DVD sales. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Goodness. Right? Yeah. That's the movie that keeps oh, on giving. Oh, that's probably, that was right before. The, the new one came the out. The new one came out. So everybody wanted to get it. So they seen that one before that's they right. went to the new it's one. It's crazy how that works. Huh. So royalties to the actors. There you go. Crazy Town. The movie that keeps on giving. Just keeps on piling money there. Yeah. Way. So... There you go. That's my quick facts on... 2016, 2017, it jumped up again. Who knows? We'll have to take a look at that. Oh, Because everybody got rid of their no, DVDs. No, but actually you're right because there was... Now I'm going to have to think back and so now I may quote incorrectly. 
But I did find some data related to Blu-ray sales alone, not DVDs anymore, just Blu-rays itself. Okay. And this was from 2011. Okay. So this would be like right around the time that On Stranger Tides is going to come out. Right. Which again starts that resurgence. And there was like $5 million alone in Blu-ray sales for a, a and I don't even remember the time period. So I'd have to look yeah. that up. But it was in the 2011 time that there was another $5 huh. million in sales. For a movie that came out eight years prior to that. Yeah, but you figure, you. I mean, we do it. A new sequel comes out to whatever. You go through all the other movies so that you're refreshed. Yeah. So when that sequel comes out, you know what the heck Well, these people the should last... have gotten on board a long time ago. Well, you know what? They, they There's they a whole probably... new people. And plus, they had to trade in their... VHS to get Blu-ray. I guess we to gotta get finally DVDs get a Blu-ray. And then to get Blu-ray. Yeah. And then they have kids that probably had never seen the movie, so they needed to get the Blu-ray. That's and, possible. You know. There you go. All explained. Since we did make it to the credits, though, finally, I have a place to actually discuss some official correspondence from Disney. Or should I say an article, a piece from Disney that I really wanted to plagiarize, but instead I think I'll just give proper credit to Alex Horwich. Because he's the one who actually authored this list. And it comes from 2016. And this was an official Disney contribution piece, if you will, that goes out to Disney. So, okay. Di- from Disney, basically. It's called 39 Thoughts We Had While Rewatching Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Now, how fitting is that? Very. That's right, it is. Thanks for the excitement on that. <laughs> actually, it's 40 thoughts, but I dropped one of them. So you I didn't renamed like that it 39. One? Well, it was a personal one from the writer. Because, hey, this is our freaking show. So I wanted to Not say freaking his. again. Yeah. And we're talking his Disney material. So I thought I could just rearrange it since okay. it's his, but it's our show. And how dare he try to make us Hone talk in. about that. Yeah, yeah, basically. So don't forget, these are just small one-liners, though. I hope you didn't get scared when I said 40 or 39 that we're going to be... I figure we'd be here for a couple of hours. Yeah, having a full breakdown of all these 39 items. They're just actually quick tidbits. That you can all think about when you're re-watching Curse of the Black Pearl, like we did. Are you ready then? I'm ready. I'm just going to roll through some of these. Number one is, ooh, spooky. Number two, that's exactly how we sing that song as we're about to board the ride. Huh. Gibbs looks so young. Nice little meet cute here. And that's when Elizabeth, young Elizabeth, oh, okay. meets a young Will Turner. Oh, okay. Do you know meet cute? Me, I, yeah. Really? You don't even know what that is, do you? I do. Did you learn it from the office? Maybe, probably. What are you lost over there? I don't know where I learned it from. It's I've from the office. Okay. For one thing, what's her face? It, uh, Kelly. Kelly says it. You know, it really is like pulling teeth in here with you. Oh. Elizabeth Swan, petty thief. Mmm, because she stole from Will. Exactly. Here's another Elizabeth Swan one. She woke up like this. She woke up like this. Flawless. <laughs> <laughs> Now that is solid gold. I wish I could wake up like that every morning. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> ah! Scared that. Because I woke up ah. like that? <laughs> I was just thinking. I thought about this morning and it scared me. What are you talking about? You're sleeping when I get up in the morning. Speaking of flawless, Governor Swan's wig is the best part of the movie. <laughs> Someone's going to find that later, Will. They'll know. They always know. Now that I was trying to wonder what they were talking about. The medallion? Yeah. The medallion, maybe? Someone's going to find that later. Yeah. Someone's going to find that later. Hmm. They'll know. His love for Elizabeth. <laughs> no. I wonder what that is. 
It's got to be the medallion, right? It's the only thing I can think of right now. I'm sure uh, there's something else that'll pop I'll up. I'll think on it. Man, if you had just called her Elizabeth to her face instead of being all proper, we would have avoided a whole lot of problems here. <laughs> that you would have. <laughs> See, Will? Damn it, Will. Look what you'd caused. Skeleton pirates, an adventure, but guess what? True love. Boom. They had their pirate adventure. She found her pirate. Yep. We always wondered how they did that effect of the boat sinking as Jack rides in. It just looks cool. Yeah. And we talked about that, how they actually yeah. moved dock. the dock. Yeah. Was the one that moved. And they raised and lowered the water to make it look like it was sinking. So yeah. you guys are just so tricky. <laughs> Is it just us or does Mulroy look a lot like Jay Leno? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Norrington looks exactly the same as he did in the flashback scene. How has he not aged? The music in this movie is fantastic. Yeah. They've come to kidnap you. Why would you put that fear into someone? Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. But all those bad guys, they're looking for you. You don't know that, Estrella. Damn you, Estrella. <laughs> so you're not the only one that thought about that Estrella. I'm not, though. apparently. <laughs> Actually, I, I wish I had found this list earlier, but now I'm glad I didn't because I can think back of some of the things I've said. And I go, yeah, you know what? I'm on par with this Disney guy. Are. And there's another one that comes up. When we had our guest on from Lord of the Rings Minute, Cassandra and Norman, and I oh, dropped really? a reference about the undersea thing, and Disney here just brought this up. Huh. I'm feeling a little awesome with my symbols and my Easter eggs. Maybe you should call Disney up. You betcha. Say, hey, I know what I'm talking about. Exactly. So let's move on. We got to get through all these. Elizabeth sure knows her pirate history and terminology. That she does. Moonlight highlighting the bone? Foreshadowing. <laughs> right? Yeah. In the jail, Fort Charles, that yeah. moonlight is hitting that bone with the dog. Yeah. Jail dog. We want a pet monkey. That's what they said. They want a pet monkey like Jack. But you know what? <laughs> he was pretty evil. He was. And I do like the idea of a monkey. But as somebody who works in conservation, please don't get monkeys. No, don't get monkeys. Barbosa has great vocabulary for a humble pirate. That he does. Will is so dramatic. <laughs> How did Gibbs go from Royal Army to being a pirate on Tortuga? We want to see that story. Now, I think we talked about that. A Gibbs story. You know, uh, Star Wars is breaking off on the, these stories oh, of you the just blew characters. My mind. We need a Gibbs story. Dang, that's a great idea. Yeah. To have some of these characters just yeah. splinter off. It'd be like, not a Star Wars story, but a Pirates of the Caribbean story. And it's about Gibbs or something. Oh, man, that's awesome. A Gibbs story, Barbosa story. Uh, there we go. I yeah. think we're on to something here. I'll call Disney tomorrow. Okay. Cotton is the best. And not only that, he proves it. When he saves Will from the water? Hey, the... he gives Jack a rope to come on board. I mean, Jack, board. I mean, yes. Do you, have sorry. you seen this movie? I just mixed up Have names. you seen the movie? And he gives yes. him his hat back, too. Yes, I got it. Hey, it's Gamora. Zoe Saldana, Gamora. Oh, okay, got it. Guardians of the Galaxy. Do you really got, got it? it? Okay. Barbosa needs a manicure. There's yes, a lot of he these does. that we've seen that we've talked about yes. over the course of the show. Seeing all that treasure in one place just makes us think of Aladdin. Touch mm. nothing but the lamp. <laughs> Which is funny because Terry and Ted writing partners wrote Aladdin. Oh yeah. You told me that, and now you're surprised because you forgot it. No, and I, I had was to just, bring it I back. I was just home. agreeing with you. That guy's beard is on fire. Jacoby, his beard is oh, on fire, yeah. Blackbeard style. This whole battle sequence is awesome. You bloomin' cockroaches. <laughs> Strike the colors, you bloomin' cockroaches. That monkey smile? LOL. Yeah, when that Jack the monkey <laughs> smiles, that's pretty good. Yeah. And you're saying that that was even accidental. It just happened. Yeah. And they were able to capture that. Again, 
Will being so dramatic. He just needs to speak calmly and rationally sometimes. Yeah. Come on, Will, step it up. Where did she read about Jack? Newspaper? Periodical? Hey, wanted that's funny. On Norrington's desk? That's funny. Because you've asked that. I did ask that. I wish I had found this list. I told you. This, then it would have polluted it, though. Yeah. That's totally us when a friend is telling a story we know, too. We just want to be helpful. I got to imagine that's when Gibbs is telling Will about the escape from Tortuga, possibly. Oh, yeah. And here we go. Was that a subtle Little Mermaid reference? The underwater, the fish, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Called that one. We wish we could run underwater. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Jack saving the day. Get him. Not the wig. Don't hurt that beautiful wig. <laughs> Governor Swan fights for that. We talked a lot oh, yeah, about that. Oh, yeah, he does. He won't let that That's sucker his, go. That's his mini battle that he won. Jeffrey Rush makes for a very likable bad guy. He's just great. Oh, yeah. Kira Knightley with a prime one-liner. That hero line at the end. Do you even know what's going on here? You don't remember it, do you? I don't remember the line. No. You think that's painful? Try wearing a corset. Oh, yeah. Are you even here most of the time? That's what I want to know. You know... Walk the plank. Sorry, James. Not so happy ending for you. No, that's sad. Dinner for one, Mr. Norrington. That's so sad. Oh, excuse me. Commodore Norrington. He's going to have dinner with Governor Swan. But he does come back at the end and he does... He smiles and he gives that kind of wink to Gillette about... We can give them one day's head start because now I think he's starting to get into a place that it was okay. And now the sport of it, at least he's trying to pretend he's he's okay. He's not okay. That guy had about five lines in this movie and he's been wrong every time. You don't even go here. I got to imagine that's Gillette, right? Hmm. Yeah. Gillette's been wrong all that time. And the last one, number 39. Yep. All these years later and it still holds up. Yeah. And to prove it. There is a dang minute-by-minute podcast. (laughs) Well, officially a movies-by-minute podcast about what? Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. It still holds up. That's my verdict. (laughs) That's all I got. All 39 that we hit. And in case for those who did want to know what number 40 was from the author, for eight years, his alarm clock music was... The Pirates of the Caribbean really? theme song. Yeah, so because of the great music. It was huh. uh, Jack's a pirate, or he's a pirate theme song. Really? was his alarm clock for eight years. Wow. After the movie. So that holds up to the music. So there we go. The split from movie, Jack goes out with the clothes of a compass. We get the yep. black and we get some of the highlights of some of the people that made this movie happen. Yep. So do you have anything else? Are we nope, ready to rock and roll? Ready to rock. We'll be back tomorrow with Minute 135 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Now let's go get some grog. Yeah, we could use some grog. Froggy and Banjo also want some grog, so we'll just have to let you know they're ready to go too. Ricola, do you know this pirate? Only by name. Find Ricola for me. And relay the message from Captain Salazar. And tell him, I need (coughs) a lozenge. Because I can't keep up this creepy voice very long. Will you tell that to him? Please? Now let's thank the listeners. So Scallywags, thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. 
You just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. If you're interested in best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are on blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy. We'll be right back. 